Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for having given us breath again and set upon on our feet. We thank you for the opportunity to make things right with you. We thank you, O Lord, for all the wonderful things you've been doing for us in our lives. And Lord, we're about to start a new day. Once you commit it into thy hands, O Lord, we pray for power to live above sin. We pray for power to live above temptations. We pray for power to overcome our traits, evil traits of character today. Help us, O Lord, live in the atmosphere of thy presence. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Our high calling, July 16, with eyes of faith. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 The highest qualification of the mind will not, cannot, supply the place of true simplicity, of genuine piety. The Bible may be studied as a branch of human science would be, but its beauty, the evidence of its power to save the soul that believes, is a lesson that is never thus learned. If the practice of the word is not brought into the life, then the sword of the spirit has not wounded the natural heart. It has been shielded in poetic fancy. Sentimentalism has so wrapped it about that the heart has not sufficiently felt the keenness of its edge, piercing and cutting away the sinful shrines where self is worshipped. The eyes of the understanding must be enlightened, and the heart and mind brought into harmony with God, who is truth. He who beholds Jesus with the eye of faith sees no glory in himself, for the glory of the Redeemer is reflected into the mind and heart. The atonement of his blood is realized, and the taking away of sin stirs the heart with gratitude. Being justified by Christ, the receiver of truth is constrained to make an entire surrender to God, and is admitted into the school of Christ, that he may learn of him who is meek and lowly in heart. A knowledge of the love of God is shared abroad in his heart. He exclaims, Oh, what love! What condescension! Grasping the rich promises by faith, he becomes a partaker of the divine nature. His heart being emptied of self, the waters of life flow in. The glory of the Lord shines forth. Perpetually looking unto Jesus, 
the human is assimilated by the divine. The believer is changed into his likeness. The human character is changed into the divine. Christ looks upon his people in their purity and perfection as the reward of all his sufferings, his humiliation and his love and the supplement of his glory. Christ, the great center, from whom radiates all glory. Amen. The title of our devotion is With Eyes of Faith. Our key text is taken from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 which says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In this devotion, God will want us to transit from a mere theoretical understanding of the word of God to getting the actual benefit from the word of God. So what is it that the word of God ought to do for us? Jesus said in the book of John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy word, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So, one who hears the word of God ought to be sanctified. The word is actually powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So, in that text, we see that the word of God is powerful. And then it goes further to say piercing asunder and piercing and dividing asunder into the bone and the marrows. And it's in the center of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there anything that is hid from him with whom we have to do. So the word of God can actually pierce and cut us. It ought to do that. It ought to cut away from us our sins, separating us, dividing us, making us to become more holy. That's what the word of God ought to do in the book of Romans. Chapter 10, reading from verse 16 and 17, we are told, But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, the hearing of the word of God ought to inspire faith in us. It ought to make us come nearer to God. We are told, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto unto thy word. That is Psalms chapter 119, I read verse 11 and also verse 9. We are told in the word of God, Psalms chapter 33 verse 6 and 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Concerning the word, Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 10. For as the rain cometh down from the heavens and the snow falleth to the ground and of course gets it wet. That's I'm just paraphrasing. So that it can bring forth and bought and give bread to the eater and seed to the sower. That's what God says. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void 
but it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it and accomplish that which I please. All these texts I have read is to explain to us that the word does have power. God created the heavens and the earth by mere speaking of his word. The word of God is not a powerless word. Like I read earlier in Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful. It is living. It is not dead like mine, my own words. The word of God in it has power. When the centurion came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, reading from verse 5, it says, And then came unto him a centurion, saying unto him, My servant lieth sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion said, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof. I am a man under authority. And I say to this man, do this, and he doeth it. And I say to this soldier, go here, and he goes. And he said to Jesus, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said that he had not seen such great faith not in Israel. What was the great faith? The man trusted in the word of God that the word of Jesus was able to heal his servant. Is the word of God able to heal you, O sin-sick soul? The aim of reading the word of God like Jesus said is that it should sanctify us. And what is sanctify? To make us holy, to cleanse us, to separate us from our sins. The death of Jesus, of course, grants to us forgiveness of sins and justification. And Jesus is the Word. But in the work of sanctification, He Himself said, Jesus Himself said, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Sanctification comes through the Word of God. But are you being sanctified by the Word of God? Is it because the word of God is not powerful enough that we hear the word of God and many are hearing it but yet they are not being sanctified? Now that is what God wants us to get in today's devotion. Because it is possible for you to sit under the word of God listening to it but yet it is having no effect on you. How can we allow the word of God to have an effect on us? That is the question. And the effect that it ought to have is to make us holier still, to sanctify us, to bring us to a greater nearness to the character of Jesus, that we should reflect his image and likeness and be perfected in him. That is what the word does. Are you experiencing that? If you are not experiencing it, that's not what's supposed to be happening. But the Lord wants to speak to you today to tell you, to tell us, how we can allow the word of God to have an influence on us. Our high calling, page 203, paragraph 2. The Bible may be studied as a branch of human science would be, but its beauty, the evidence of its power to save the soul that believes, is a lesson that is never thus learned. You don't learn the lesson of the power of the, of, of the power to save of the word of God just by studying it like a mere science. If the practice of the word is not brought into the life, then the sword of the spirit has not wounded the natural heart. Let's take it little by little. So, if the practice of that word you are studying has not been brought into the life, then what does it mean? 
it is not wounding you the word is not having its effect the sword of the spirit has not wounded the natural heart that is the way to know whether the word is having its effect are you practicing what you are studying if you are not practicing it then the word is not having its effect going on it says it has been shielded in poetic fancy sentimentalism has so wrapped it about that the heart has not sufficiently felt the keenness of its edge piercing and cutting away the sinful shrines where self is worshipped do you remember what i read in hebrews 4 verse 12 the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing and dividing asunder the bones and the marrow and the heart and soul that is what the world is supposed to do but if it has not done this it is because we are not practicing what the word says and if we are not practicing it it is because we have not allowed the word to pierce us and why is it not piercing us what is making the word not to pierce us because we are cloaking it in poetic fancy and sentimentalism when we want to talk about the word of god in a sentimental way we stop it from having effect on us when we take the word of god to be poetic fancy something that you want to preach and talk about in a way to make people feel like you're eloquent in a way to make people to get wild by your vocabulary then you make the word lose its effect let me read something for you about the way paul taught the word of god in the book of 1 thessalonians chapter 2 reading from verse 3 paul said to them for our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanness nor in guile but as we were allowed of god to be put in trust with the gospel even so we speak not as pleasing men but god which tried our hearts for neither at any time used we flattering words as you know nor a cloak of covetousness god is is witness nor of men sought we glory neither of you nor of yet nor yet of others when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of christ so what is paul saying when he was preaching the word of god how did he do it he said we didn't use flattering words we didn't speak in such a way to make you pleased with our language we didn't speak in such a way that will make you be wowed and say oh these men are such eloquent men they spoke the word of god in simplicity so when the lord the word of god is not spoken in simplicity we we make it lose its power we ought to speak the word of god in simplicity so that it can have its effect also it should not be cloaked in sentimentalism which will expand on later so then how are we to receive the word of god what is it that the word of god should do to us that will cause us to be sanctified reading our high calling page 203 paragraph 3 it says the eyes of the understanding must be enlightened and the heart and mind brought into harmony with god who is truth he who beholds jesus with the eye of faith sees no glory in himself for the glory of the redeemer is reflected into the mind and heart the atonement of his blood is realized and the taking away of sin stirs the heart with gratitude being justified by christ the receiver of truth is constrained to make an entire surrender to god do you remember 2 corinthians chapter 5 
verse 14 which says for the love of god constrained us i continue the reading it says being justified by christ the receiver of the truth is constrained to make an entire surrender to god and is admitted into the school of christ that he may learn of him who is meek and lowly of heart a knowledge of the love of god is shed abroad in his heart he exclaims oh what love what condescension grasping the rich promises by faith he becomes a partaker of the divine nature his heart being emptied of self the water flows in the water of life flows in the glory of the lord shines forth perpetually looking to jesus the human is assimilated by the divine the believer is changed into his likeness so we ought to see the love of god as we study his word the word of god what it does for us is to bring to us an understanding of love love is supposed to be our motivation to make changes in our lives to cut away ourselves from our sins and idols so that we can become partakers of divine nature as we see jesus as we see the father the self-denial that he practiced the love he has bestowed upon us the forbearance the mercy his loving kindness and endurance how that he came to this earth to die for our sins partaker of the sin in which he had no part, suffering in it and then gave us his life suffering in it and gave us his life it ought to evoke in us emotions that would make us say, Why will the Lord pass through this for my sake? And this emotion will lead to decision of loyalty and say, I will be loyal to him who did all of this for me. The knowledge of the love of God is what we ought to find in his word and it is this love, this knowledge of this love that will change the heart. That is why we read that the love of god constrains us when we see that love when we understand it we are constrained and the language of our soul will be like that of joseph who said how then shall i do this great wickedness not because i don't want to go to hellfire not because i want to go to heaven but he said and sin against god his relationship with god was what was most most important to him he wasn't saying, no, I don't want to sin because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to sin because I want to go to heaven. It was, how can I do this great wickedness and offend my Lord and God? Because he has understood the goodness of God towards him. Even in his slavery and imprisonment, Joseph still understood that. But at the time he was in Potiphar's house, he was a slave. But in that slavery, Joseph could understand the hand of God in his life and he had a relationship with God. That relationship did not lead him to disobedience. That relationship did not lead him to unfaithfulness. Rather, it made him to be faithful to God. Fidelity rose up. Loyalty came up because he understood that the Lord had spared his life and blessed him in Potiphar's house. He said, I cannot sin against God. Not against Potiphar, but against God. The language of our soul, if we understand, as we study the word of God, if we receive the knowledge of God, it will constrain us. So that we are no longer motivated by fear, but we are motivated by love. And that's why the Bible says, perfect love casteth out fear, for fear hath
torment. 1 John chapter 4 verse 18 we should be motivated by love and it is that love that is inspired by the study of the word of god so when we are studying the word of god let us watch out to understand the love look at the story of adam for example do you know that when eve ate that fruit and adam joined her in eating it that was when it was certain that god was going to come in the flesh and die and when he asked eve what is this thou hast done? Put yourself in God's shoes. The day Eve ate that fruit, do you understand how heartbreaking this was? How it was for him knowing that she has just done something that is going to cause me to come down to this earth someday and I will have to pass through pain and deny myself and die. And not only that, she is destroying herself and all humanity in doing this. But yet the Lord was merciful to her and to Adam and to us. He was good and is still good. When you look at these things, it ought to evoke in you an emotion of love. When you look at your own life and how you have offended him, and the knowledge of his love comes to you seeing how merciful he has been to you, how he provides for you in spite of your sins, how he takes care of you and protects you and gives you security in spite of your unrighteousness. The knowledge of this love ought to evoke in you a feeling of loyalty, decision to follow him all the way and not to sin against him and the language of your soul should be, oh, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against the Lord? And you you should say, I delight to do thy will, oh my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. I pray that as we study the word of God, we shall be able to experience and understand and meditate on it so that we can experience that love and know of that love that when it is shed abroad in our hearts, it will bring forth good fruits and we will eventually become partakers of the divine nature. Amen. Amen. Just to add, I'll read the second sentence of the text where it says that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. See Paul in simple words is saying that I am praying for you so that God will open your eyes to know him. Then you will see why you should use all your energy to gain the immortal inheritance. You see, you can go to the most corrupt university in the world and still get a degree in theology. They'll give you a scientific fact. They give you scientific facts about God. They teach you about God. Although science is based on facts, but the collection of facts is not science. Example 8. A house can be made of stones, but a pile of stones is not a house. Gathering facts about Jesus does not mean that you know his saving power. That's what the reading is calling our attention to. You can poetically recite the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And surely you will get to the point where it says, Goodness and mercy shall follow me. But if you don't know the shepherd, you will not recognize him in the valley of the shadow of death. If the practice, the reading says in the second paragraph if the practice of the word is not brought into the life 
then the sword of the spirit is not wounded has not wounded the natural heart it has been shielded in poetic fancy you know a shield protects the heart from the sword so instead of opening the heart so that the sword can pierce it use fancy poetry to block the sword the word of god is a two-edged sword a brother has spoken about it a two-edged sword is sharp on both ends is sharp in front and sharp behind so when you speak the word you're cutting people through with one part however the other part of the word is facing you it must cut you through we are we are to fall upon the sword and die daily like paul in jeremiah 23 verse 29 says it's not my word like as a fire saith the lord and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces Proverbs 6 verse 27 Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not surge? So if you, if the word is not burning in your heart, if you're not falling on the rock and be and you let your rocky hearts be broken, if the coals of fire from off the altar have not touched your lips, then be certain that you're not living by every word. The Bible may be studied as a branch of human science, but it's beauty. So what is the beauty of the scriptures? It is the evidence of its power to save the soul that believes. Jesus saying in, the Bible says in in John chapter 1 verse 12, we say, but as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name so you see that we need that power to become the sons of God for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power no wonder why it says that if any man be in Christ he is a new creature all things have passed away behold all things are become new there is power in the word to transform the most debased sinner. If you think yourself to be the greatest sinner, Christ is just what who you need is who you need, the greatest savior. I'll read from Christ's Object Lessons 162. It says, Great as is the shame and degradation through sin, even greater will be the honor and exaltation through redeeming love. To human beings striving for conformity to the divine image, there is imparted an outlay of heaven's treasure, an excellency of power that will place them higher than even the angels who have never fallen. So in other words, if you, if you see yourself not living above sin and you're satisfied, you are not employing the power that is available and then he says that sentimentalism has so wrapped it about that the heart has not sufficiently felt the keenness of its urge piercing and cutting away the sinful shrines where self is worship you see people show a lot of emotions when they come to church in service 
when they sing, they act all pious and sanctimonious. When they preach, is full of pathos. Even some will weep while singing, and others will bend their voice in all kinds of dramatical moves that will just remind you of the prophets of Baal in Elijah's day. But by their fruits, he said, we shall know them. Are you living? The question is, are you living by every word that proceeded forth out of the mouth of the Lord? Do you even know the requirements of the fourth commandment? If you do not know, then Paul, talking to Timothy, was speaking about this kind of people. He said, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they see nor whereof they are firm. Romans chapter 2 verse 19, it says, and at confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that seest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast in the law, through breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. So this is the point now. All our high profession we forget that people are watching and so our acts instead of bringing them to Christ drive them away and they even blaspheme the name they say look at this one they say they are Christian they are decent they look at what they are doing and so that's the danger because the word as our brother told us we do not allow the sanctifying power of the word to set us apart we carry the name and carry the Bible but it's not in our heart See, God is testing us with his word and he doesn't miss a thing. I read now from Hebrews chapter 12 verse 13. It says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, you can make a pretense of Christianity. You can carry it can cover you you know for for a while but i'll read something from petrarch's and prophet 217 he said if we were to cherish an habitual impression that god sees and hears all that we do and say and keeps a faithful record of our words and actions and that we must meet it all we will fear to sin let the young ever remember that wherever they are and whatever they do they are in the presence of God no part of our conduct escapes observation we cannot hide our ways from the most high human laws though sometimes severe are often transgressed without detection and hence with impunity but not so with the law of God the deepest midnight is no cover for the guilty one he may think himself alone, but to every deed there is an unseen witness. The very motives of his hearts are open 
to a divine inspection. Every act, every word, every thought is as distinctly marked as though there were only one person in the whole world and the attention of heaven were centered upon him. So James is telling us that if we have such a terrible record to meet and then we have such great power to overcome sins now, so we are to speak. He says, So speak ye, and do so as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Faith is shown by these. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he had faith and had not works? Can faith save him? And so it is time for us to show that piety, that we are seriously sincere about making it to this heaven we always profess we say we want to go to heaven and then he's he wants us to have heaven here even in our hearts if we don't allow him to be king over us here then how do we expect him to rule over us there so that's why he has given us his word that we may show respect unto the word by allowing the word live in us that we may live by every word. It is be our experience as we put these things to practice. Amen. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the lessons you have taught us today. Father, before now, possibly, we have understood the theory of your word and it has not yet caught us. We have not been assimilated into divine nature. Now, dear Lord, we pray that you will help us that we may draw nearer to you that we may study your word and that your love may indeed be shed abroad in our hearts and that love will constrain us sanctify us through your word O lord and help us lord that this word will have its effect on us bringing us to be perfected in the character of christ do this for us O lord we want to experience it we want the word to have its transforming power on us Open our eyes of faith that we may be enlightened, that our understanding may be quickened, that we may see of the love of God. As we study the stories of the word, we pray, Lord, that you would grant to us of your spirit and that in just in studying it, we will not miss out the lesson of God's love, that this love may motivate us to loyalty, fidelity, and faithfulness to you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.